Growing out the Hill family, it's the Eggers family, which was my grandparents. My grandparents had a candle, and they had it for many, many years. I don't know exactly how long, but uh, the tradition was that every Christmas Eve, we, all, we did our presents and everything on Christmas Eve, the big Christmas dinner, everything, Christmas Eve. And then... Uh, Uh, before the opening of the presents, before the opening of the presents, we, the oldest person in the room would light the candle. And then after that, it was all, it's usually my grandfather, and then my grandfather would sit down and he would read the entire Christmas story from Luke. And then we would open the presents, and then after the presents were over, the, the smallest person in the room, the youngest person in the room, uh, would blow the candle out. And when Graydon came to be uh, part of our family, uh, my mom came to celebrate his first Christmas with us. And I said, Mom, you got to bring the candle. You have to bring the candle. And so she did. And so uh, the same thing happened. We, uh, my mom lit the candle, and we opened a present. And then after that, uh, Graydon, as you can see, uh, got to blow out the candle. So it was a very nice uh, tradition that, that keeps on going. Just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. Our scripture lesson this morning is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. And um, on this occasion, Paul is writing to the people of Thessalonica, and his heart is filled with gratitude for all of them personally and for what they have accomplished and how their faith has grown. And also he has a few words of encouragement as usual. How can we thank God enough for you, given all the joy we have because of you before our God? Night and day we pray more than ever to see all of you in person and to complete whatever you still need for your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus, guide us on our way back to you. May the Lord cause you to increase and enrich your love for each other and for everyone in the same way as we also love you. May the love cause your hearts to be strengthened, to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his people. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Many people were looking for something for Christmas, probably with 50% uh, off or $500 down. Who knows what, right? Something for Christmas. Everybody wants something for Christmas. Now, back in the day when I was a kid, um, before the internet, um, you could do the Sears Wish Book. Anybody remember the Sears Wish Book, right? Oh, amen. The Bible of Toys, right? Um, I was ADD before ADD was cool, but boy, I could manage details when it came down to informing my parents in priority order what toys I'd like underneath the tree. You see, I'd get a yellow legal pad out, I'd get the wish book out, you know, and go page by page 
uh, easily a hundred items, uh, marked with the page number and the letter, which corresponded to the picture, just so you could be sure to get the right one. Um, if I was really kind of feeling, um, you know, obnoxious, I'd put the, um, the item number so they could order it if they called in for the catalog. Um, something for Christmas. Now, it, it strikes me that it's kind of ironic that uh, when I was six, seven, eight, uh, most of the things on that list were Star Wars related. It's kind of like, you know, everything old is new again, right? I walk through the toy aisles now and, hey, I'd like everything on this aisle too. <laughs> something for Christmas. You know, it's interesting that we are all looking for something for Christmas. Uh, we are looking for that next uh, gizmo, that next object, that decorative flair that will make ourselves feel as if we're finally who we're supposed to be. Something for Christmas. There's so much difficulty and hope put around the idea of purchasing a Christmas present for someone else. You want so much out of an easy white elephant gift that you find at the dollar store, hoping that it will make someone feel complete. Everybody wants something for Christmas. You know, there's a theologian that said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. Or to put it differently, Pascal says uh, that there's a God-shaped void inside every man's heart and that we spend our lives filling that hole with everything until we find that it can only be filled up with God. Something for Christmas. For me, Christmas is about traditions. Traditions are the things that we act, say, do, and experience that ground us in who we are, that tie us and anchor us to the past, and allow for us to see God's call for us in the future. Uh, this season of Advent, we'll be looking at all kinds of traditions that help us to connect with Jesus and to be able to see the reason for the season as we are called into the future. Traditions are a lot for us about who are you? If someone asks you, who are you? Uh, where did you come from? What is your story? <coughs> I can remember um, my dad telling me often that you are half Italian and half regular. Now I know that sounds really strange. <laughs> But uh, mom was from Southern Alabama, Jasper, Alabama. Dad was from uh, New Jersey. Um, dad was an Italian-American. Uh, mom was a Southern Methodist. I know you're saying that's not a nationality, but it really is. <laughs> dad had never had uh, mayonnaise before meeting my mom. My mom had never had marinara sauce before meeting my dad. They met uh, um, uh, uh, on the University of Florida campus, or right off the campus. Uh, mom was a, a co-ed student there. Um, I believe she was at a bar, but don't hold that against anybody. Um, her parents had always told her, never let a sailor buy you a drink. Would you like to guess what my dad was? He was, <laughs> he was in the Navy. He was an electrician attached to a flight wing that had come off the carrier and was there uh, near the University of Florida. So two worlds colliding together. 
um, a, a number of traditions uh, that come together. My dad would always say that Italians live forever. We got indoctrinated as children, um, that many of the uh, cultural and historical figures that you would think had nothing to do with Italy, in my dad's eyes, had everything to do with it. Christopher Columbus was Italian. St. Patrick of the Ireland, you know, St. Patrick's Day. Dad believed he was Italian. When I saw the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, I thought, this is my life, except it's Italian, not Greek, right? Who are you? Where did you come from? What are the stories that make sense for you about who you are? My dad would say so often that Italians live forever uh, that my sister, when she was eight and I was about four, she asked my dad, which part of me is, let's see, which part of me, which half of me is Italian? And he said, what do you mean? She says, which half of me is going to live forever? And he looked at her and said, no, we were just kidding, right? The the, the story had been told about her so often that she truly believed whether you sliced it this way or this way, there was half of her that was going to live forever and that regular part was going to die. What is the story that makes sense for you? What are the traditions? Uh, My wife um, didn't know that Thanksgiving meals could be eaten someplace other than College Station until she was older and the family didn't go sit out in the cold at the Aggie Longhorn game. What traditions define who you are? Are you all about born on the 4th of July or is Go Texans Day far more important to you? Do you celebrate a longhorn named Bevo or a dog named Revelry? Do you kiss after the Aggies score? What are your traditions that make sense for you? You know, there's a sense in America uh, that we... um, We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps that wherever we came from, we can be something different. Uh, Extreme makeover home edition. Uh, Whether you want to think of uh, reality TV shows about transformation uh, or whether you want to think about how I'll just be so different that no one will know. I had a professor in um, seminary that said, in America, we think we have no story except the story we chose when we thought we had no story. When you watch uh, children at fifth grade, they're all children, right, teachers? But find those children in eighth grade, and they've all of a sudden attached labels to themselves. They're either preppy or athletic. They're either emo or band nerds. You name it, but they've associated with a label because for some reason, they have to pick a story that helps make sense of their social experience. But being church, we know what it means to have a story. We've had a story since the day we were baptized. We've had a story throughout our lives that every season of the liturgical church reminds us who we are and whose we are. The Bible isn't a book of rules or judgment. God isn't interested in holding us to extreme accountability, but rather it's a story of love, a story of God's love for us. It's the story about how God has adopted us and made us part of the family, how we have moved into the house and begun carrying the family name. 
I love listening to David Hill tell the story about um, uh, Graydon blowing out the candle. Uh, when we were planning uh, Advent, we were at a worship planning retreat, and uh, David really, you could see it on his face, that this was one of those moments where Graydon became part of the family. What are those traditions that make you part of God's family? What are those moments and stories that aren't a story that you chose, but a story that chose you and made you its own? Uh, during the season of Advent, we'll be having different families come and set up their uh, Christmas uh, Advent wreath uh, here on the altar table. Uh, this service, it was the Barksdales. Thank you so much uh, for uh, participating. But where did the Advent wreath come from? Did it come from Hobby Lobby or Michael's? Or does it have a longer history in the Christian church than just the sale that goes on on Black Friday? The Advent wreath, uh, one of the stories of the modern Advent wreath, comes from a Lutheran pastor in Germany, um, Pastor Wickern. Pastor Wickern had a school uh, that he ran out of the church, uh, and so every day he'd come to the school, the students would arrive. If it was the month of December, the students would ask him in mass, has Christmas arrived yet? And Pastor Wickern would say, no. But they would ask regularly, has Christmas arrived? And so he, he decided that this would be a teachable moment. And so he took a huge circle, it was actually an old wheel off of a cart, uh, laid it down, drilled holes into it, gathered 20 red candles and four large white candles. And at the beginning of December, they would light for weekdays, a red candle and on Sundays, a white candle, and the children could watch as the candles were lit and the light grew brighter and brighter that Christmas would arrive soon. The Advent wreath is the way that we mark time as a people of God, waiting for that coming of Jesus, that expectation of Jesus being born as a baby in Bethlehem. The Advent wreath is one of those traditions that anchors us. It anchors us into the past, that old story of scripture that is new for us today. It is also a way for us to connect with God today, but also to see the hope that God has for us in the future. When we look at our scripture passage, uh, I um, uh, resonated most with the psalm passage that we read responsively. Uh, verses four, five, and six say, make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach it to me, because you are the God who saves me. I put my hope in you all day long. Lord, remember your compassion and faithful love. They are forever. Make your paths known to me, Lord. Uh, um, as you make those paths known to me, teach me in your ways. Save me from what ills me and allow me to have hope in the future in you. In our world where adult children seem to live so far away from parents, where uh, communities are divided and dispersed, what a powerful thing to think of a God, not who judges us, not who um, uh, condemns us, not one who's looking for us to mess up, but a mentor, uh, a God who shows us the path, a God who saves us, a God who we put our hope in all day long. 
Robert Bella uh, wrote a book in 1985 called Habits of the Heart. Uh, Bella is a social scientist uh, having to do with religion. Uh, in this book, he um, was plotting and uh, measuring the change in religion from a very public um, uh, display of religion that we might see in the Northeast uh, during the uh, 40s and 50s into uh, something that was not so public, but much more private and individualized uh, that we see uh, coming about in the 60s and 70s. In the midst of all the interviews that Robert Bella did, he interviewed one woman named Sheila and asked her about her religious affiliation. Uh, Sheila uh, said, um, you know, I, I believe in God. Uh, I'm not a religious fanatic. I, I can't remember the last time I went to church, but my faith is important to me. I like to call it Sheilaism. Just my own little voice, uh, you know, I, I try to uh, be good to people, to love other people, to take care of people. I believe that's what he would want me to do, is to take care of each other. Uh, Bella suggested that if Sheilaism were true for America, then there must be 220 million individual religions where we each pick and choose what we want to make sense out of our lives. That no longer do we have a shared sacred scripture or a code of ethics or a set of holidays, but instead we have our own personal individualized deity. Sheilaism is great for Sheila, but it doesn't build community. Sheilaism's wonderful for her, but nobody knows what it means to follow Sheilaism except Sheila. And often Sheila doesn't know what it means to follow her religion unless something in her gut tells her it's not right. Something old, there is something old, something beautiful that we can plug into. We don't have to make our own story. We don't have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We don't have to um, innovate our own path towards salvation, but the path has been set out since old. It's the story of a God who loved a people so much that he sent his only son uh, to love, to care, uh, to teach, and to model, and to die for them, and to be raised on the third day. I wonder for you, what are those traditions that let others know that that is your story? That it's not a matter of individualized deities for each of us, but that there is one God who has made a difference in our lives, who has created all that we see, redeemed us from our sins, and supports us each and every day. What are those traditions or stories that make sense for you? What are the traditions and stories that if somebody was watching you on Black Friday, snooping to see how Christian you were, what are the things that would tell others that you belonged to a Messiah named Jesus? What is that something old that makes a difference in your life? There's one particular Christmas tradition that I like. It's from uh, the Robinson family, and you can read about it in Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love. Uh, the Robinsons have uh, five chil three children under 10. Uh, on Christmas morning, they get up early with much excitement, uh, but it's not to open presents that are wrapped under the tree. Uh, it's to make a batch of pancakes. Uh, it's to brew two urns worth of coffee, and then to load up the minivan and go out into the urban city that they live near and walk the streets, passing out breakfast and coffee to those they encounter. You see, the streets are pretty well deserted because everybody's somewhere, 
except for those who have been forgotten. Those who don't have uh, a gift under a tree with their name on it. Those who have no longer been invited to the family meal for whatever reason. And so the Robinsons bring the love of Christmas to those who feel unlovable. After a number of years of doing this, the children have really been formed by the tradition. They couldn't imagine staying at home, opening up presents for themselves. That who they are as Christians means they should go love others because that's the story that they've been part of their whole life. How do people know that you're a part of God's story? How do people find out the traditions that have formed you and made you who you are? How are you anchored to the old traditions of scripture? How do they also connect you in the presence with the experience of God? And how are those traditions calling you into the future, taking your next step, following the one who created you, redeemed you, and sustains you? Sure, we could um, like things on our Facebook page, and we could make a big stink when the cashier doesn't uh, say Merry Christmas, but instead says Happy Holidays. We could do all of those cultural things But do they communicate the love of Christmas? Do they tell others that our lives are formed by something bigger than us? During the uh, month of Advent, we'll have opportunities for you to experience other people's traditions and to share your own traditions. Those traditions don't get us to heaven, but those traditions do connect us to the Savior to the God who teaches us his paths, who saves us from our sins, and allows us to put our hope in him all day long. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. Uh, It's an opportunity for us to uh, not search for another thing, to have for Christmas, but rather to give out of our tradition, uh, to give out of our story, uh, to kind of take the family name of being adopted by God and sharing it with others. I want to invite you to take a next step. Uh, there are a couple of ways that you can do that. One way is uh, there are um, Zoe catalogs uh, that are outside of the narthex. Um, it's kind of like the Heifer Project, if you remember those catalogs back from a day. It's an opportunity for you to uh, purchase or buy, uh, contribute and donate uh, to the Zoe Project. Um, this church sponsors uh, a group of 60 orphans that are in Kenya. Uh, and it's a wonderful uh, thing. I just recently, over Thanksgiving, got an email uh, that includes uh, some communication from our working group uh, of orphans. I look forward to sharing that with you uh, in the newsletter in the next couple of weeks. Um, There are other ways also. Uh, You can be involved in our giving tree. Uh, You can find that out in the narthex. Um, Each uh, uh, ornament uh, signifies a contribution to a different uh, mission outlook. Um, We have international, national, and local. Uh, The local one is the gathering place. Um, The national one is Redbird Christian School. 
school. And then the international focus, of course, is the Zoe project, uh, which we mentioned before. Um, also, there's an opportunity for you to be actively involved uh, in the work uh, here in this area. Uh, we have a, a poster that you can sign up to ring the bell for the Salvation Army. Um, uh, the last time I checked, there was a whole lot of vacancies on that list. And uh, you really don't want to make Margaret Johnson and I um, ring the bell for multiple hours in a row. Uh, so when you leave the sanctuary, be sure to stop by. What a great way to share uh, Christmas cheer, but also uh, to help others through the Salvation Army. Um, if today's the day that you'd like to join the church, we'd love for you to come down during our closing song, which is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, as David Hill comes to lead us in that song. Friends, um, I hope, uh, let's see, I'm going to stand here where the Stephen minister usually stands. If you need someone to pray with you uh, today or to arrange care for yourself or someone else, you can do that right here. In fact, here comes Betty Phillips. Um, and there's a prayer chapel behind this uh, wooden door. I do hope that you'll take advantage of it today uh, or throughout the week. But for now, why don't you uh, grab a hand next to you for our closing benediction. And let's pray. Almighty God, we give thanks that traditions that center on you have anchored us into the ancient scriptures, connected us with your presence today, and call us into the future to be faithful, to care for others, and to be your children. Watch over us this day as we seek to find you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.